0: We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. The, the passage that, that um, um, whoever he is back there, Jordan read to us. Didn't he do well last week, by the way? Didn't Jordan do well? Yeah, he sure did. Very grateful. Um, he read to us out of Luke chapter 5. We began looking at the Christmas season about the early um, the prophecies and the Christmas story. Then we began looking at Jesus' early life. Eight days, he was taken to the temple, dedicated by his parents, 12 years old. He stayed behind when they went to the Passover in the temple. And we saw, I believe, one of the clear pictures of discipleship for us in that. His ministry began, his earthly ministry began. He was sent right out to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, uh, a great way to start off your ministry. And then he went to his hometown and preached and they tried to kill him. So I always like to... uh, Rehearse those verses for the men, young men who are going in the ministry to tell them, look what you have uh, to look forward to. Uh, it's not always that way. Uh, people were very kind with me when, when I began the ministry and rallied around me, but this is Jesus, and he, he literally went through those things. We talked about Jesus in the early years, and we've begun talking about Jesus in what I call the wonder years. We see in the Bible, there's four different words often used for miracles. One of them is miracles, wonders, signs, and uh, there are, uh, what's, the, what's the fourth one? Miracles, wonders, signs, and, and I'll think of it here in just a moment. Most of the time, it's talking about miracles um, that Jesus did that no one else can do. Remember, he is the son of God. When he came to this earth, he came displaying power that no one else had ever seen before. Nicodemus in the Gospel of John makes it very clear. We know you're from God because no man can do the miracles that you do except you're from God. Uh, so we, we see the, the uh, works is the other word, works. Works, signs, wonders, and miracles. Different ways Jesus manifested his power. Now, I made it clear, I hope, the other night that uh, when Jesus called uh, Peter to put out his boat, and, and they'd been fishing all night and hadn't caught any fish, just like my fishing trips, uh, put it, cast out your net, they caught so many fish, they couldn't even get, get the net in. And if that was the purpose of the miracle, just to show that Jesus can catch a lot of fish, then the church today ought to be fishing all the time. We ought to go catch a lot of fish, if that was the purpose of that. That was not the purpose of that. The purpose was to catch Peter's heart. It was that his life would be changed. Jesus did a miracle to show his power, but those miracles were never the end. They were always to point you to Jesus to hear what what his words were and to follow him. We're living in a world today where... uh, we, we are, can't drive down the road uh, without seeing all the billboards. And they're not paper ones anymore and just wooden ones. They're interactive. I mean, it's a wonder I haven't run into everybody going down the highway because they're all flashing and they're changing all the time. And uh, Holly and I got to go to uh, Ireland one, one time years ago. They don't have billboards. They don't have those on the side of the highway, none. and uh, But we sure do here. We live in a world that is sensory uh, perception is so... Important advertisers wanted to get our attention, so they flash something. Uh, when I was growing up, the big thing when I was in high school was subliminal perception. Anybody remember what that was? That was when you went to the movie theater. Young people, a movie theater is no a drive-in. Uh, we used to go different places to watch movies than you get to today. But what they would do was when they Played the the uh, commercials, the advertisement. Used to play cartoons before movies. They would actually flash a picture of popcorn and drink. That would just last about a second, and then it would go off the screen. Because our minds are so um, so geared and created by God that we can pick up those perceptions subliminally, not even consciously. And all of a sudden we get hungry, we get thirsty, and we go buy something at the concession stand. That was a marketing tool that was very, very popular. I remember in a Sunday school class when I was in college, came home and teaching a high school Sunday school class, and I played one of the Beatles albums backwards because they had what was called backward masking. I'm showing my age now backward masking and it would actually they recorded part of it backwards to give a message that and everybody wanted to go buy that album it was pretty good marketing wasn't it but we live in a world today that wants to appeal to your senses if a church is not fantastic if it's not full of innovative things to capture your eye people don't want they want to leave and go find another one well that's not what church is about It's wonderful to see mighty things. And we we serve a mighty God. The song that, that they just led us in, talking about heaven. We can only dream of what heaven's like. We get very, very, snap a few snapshots in the scripture. It's going to be wonderful. It will be more than our eyes ever seen, our ears ever heard, or even our hearts ever even imagined. That's what Jesus said that heaven's going to be like. But Jesus didn't come to put on a show He didn't come to be flashy, the greatest showman, to do miracles, works, signs, or wonders to just get everybody's attention on how great those things are. Every one of those miracles, works, signs, or wonders was to draw people so that they could hear, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of God. To hear the words and the message of Jesus. I talked with you recently about one of the miracles. If Jesus came to raise people from the dead, every day there ought to be people being raised from the dead that love and serve and follow Jesus. He would still be wanting to do that all the time. I tell you, the Bible does not support that. He did that in a few cases to show a preview of one of these days that he is going to raise people from the dead. Graveyards are going to be emptied out on that day that He He raises them. But that's not the purpose. The purpose was to get people to trust Him and follow Him. If we were commanded by God and we were He came to the earth just to do mighty works, the church would be doing them every day. And don't tell me you don't have enough faith because we're going to see that tonight. I've been with hundreds of people when they passed away. I have enough faith to believe Jesus can heal. I truly do. But often Jesus' answer is no, my healing is something else. And I get a real, real personal sometimes when people will go to a hospital and there's a little baby there and, oh, if you have enough faith, you can pray and that baby will be well. I tell you, you better be careful because you stand before, I'll stand before Jesus one day and have to answer for things that I've said that are not biblical, that are not as Jesus taught. And I know that offends some denominations, it offends some people, but I can't help it. I can't help it. I want to be true to the text. And so let's be true to the text here tonight. Um, again, I want to thank Jordan for doing so well in that miracle that he read about last, uh, last week. And how many of you have ever been told before, if you have enough faith, uh, you can be healed? If you have enough faith. Okay. What happens when when someone's not healed, uh, when somebody prays for that, what do some people say? You don't have enough faith. We're gonna see God's answer to that here tonight. Jesus raised some people from the dead, they didn't have any faith at all, it wasn't anything they did, they were already dead. He healed some people to show his miraculous mighty power just because he chose to. It had nothing to do with them whatsoever. We're gonna see a special case here tonight where Jesus is going to answer in faith uh, towards someone, in in a miracle towards someone that's not the person that's ill. He's going to answer because of the the faith of his friends. And so there's all different kinds of things. We just got to make sure we don't add to the Scripture, we don't take away from that. You want to see God work mightily? Stay in the Bible. Stay in the parameters of God's Word. Two things I want to ask you to pray about this week. Please pray for all of those people in Turkey. Right now, those earthquakes, I think over 45,000 people have lost their life. I pray that, uh, that they knew Jesus, that many of them were Christians. I pray so because th- those uh, earthquakes are devastating. And then the other thing I want to pray, uh, ask you to continue to pray for it looks like God's doing a work on some college campuses, didn't he? Do we need revival in this country? We need it, need it in our churches. We need it in our homes. We need it in our government. We need it everywhere. And I'm all for that. And I'm, I'm excited. I hope that goes clear across the whole nation where people simply, and they weren't doing these fancy things that promoters say you got to do for God to, to really be pleased. They were praying, they were singing. They were confessing their sins, giving their testimony and asking others to pray for them. God must have been pleased. And I, I want to ask you to continue to pray for them that that would go clear across our country. Look over there in chapter 5 of Luke. We'll see another miracle that is uh, the faith of some friends on behalf of, their, of another one. One day he was teaching. There were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. Now, before I go any further, what do you think that those guys were there for? What do you think they were there for? In the Gospels, we find out that the scribes, Pharisees, chief priests, rulers, those were the the Jewish uh, elite. They were the people that would tell you they are the voice of God. They are who you would look toward for anything spiritual. And often throughout the Gospels, we find these people coming to try to catch Jesus and breaking the law. They want to put him in jail. They eventually kill him. They're not there for a good reason. But has anyone ever gone to a church service or revival meeting or something for the wrong reason and God got a hold of them? I've got a pastor, a friend of mine, he was my pastor when I was a teenager and We had lunch the other day and got to visit some. And he told me about his testimony. He said in 19-whatever, I think it was the early 70s, he went to, uh, in in, uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, he went to uh, Billy Graham Crusade. And he said, I went there, and he described what clothes he had on. He was at LSU at that time. And he said, I am going to, to when he gives an invitation, when he invites people to come forward, I'm going to go forward and I'm going to disrupt the whole meeting. I'm going to go and put on such a yelling, screaming display that it will destroy the whole crusade of this guy named Billy Graham. And he went there with that intent. He drove there. He sat through the words of the preaching understood none of those words whatsoever. And... Close to the end of the message, when it came time, he got up out of his seat and he went with the intention of causing great disruption in that crusade. And he told me as he walked down that aisle, all those words that he'd heard this man preach earlier were going through his ears and into his mind and into his heart. And he began to cry and he asked Jesus in his heart. And the man who went to disrupt this meeting, got saved that night. He was my pastor when I was young. Pastor now for a lot of decades. God used him greatly. So God can do that too. The, with the Apostle Paul, was he headed to Damascus in the book of Acts for a good reason? He was going to kill Christians. Find me anybody, man or woman, that is after this way called Christianity. I'm gonna put them in jail, put them in prison, have them beaten and have them killed. And on the way to do harm to the uh, cause of Christ, Jesus gets a hold of him. That's the miracles. That's what they're for. Not that I just get over something that I have physically. Can God do that? Absolutely. That's not the power that he wants us to focus on. something a whole lot better than that. So he says here, one day he was teaching, there were some Pharisees, teacher of the law sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea for Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. This is one of the times where the scripture tells us this is going to be a a moment in history where the, the power of the Son of God is going to be displayed. And some men, there were four of them, another gospel tells us, we're carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed. I've had some people that because of injury or disease had become paralyzed. And I can't really picture in my mind what's that like. These, these hands that I'm able to move, my fingers, and I can stand here before you and I can, I can walk. I can't run anymore like those guys did, but that's not because of uh, other reasons. That's just because I'm tired but I can't imagine what it would be like to be paralyzed. The boy in the church, my home church that I grew up in college was sitting in I think a second story window in the dorm room and he fell out, broke his neck and he's been in a wheelchair ever since then. Can you imagine what it would be like to be paralyzed, not able to move? Your mind sends the messages to your muscles and your body to move and it won't listen. You don't have that capacity anymore. Well, as again, probably you have known people, you've visited people, you've prayed for people. I have too. And my heart goes out to them. One of the most godly men that our sweat team here at the church would go visit all the time was named Tom. And they would get there and they would ask him, can we do anything in your home? He was totally paralyzed paralyzed from the neck down. And... Wayne Kerrigan told me over and over again, Mike, we would go there to help him with anything he needed in his yard, anything he needed in his home. We would go there to try to encourage him and bless him. And that man was such a witness for Christ that we all had revival in his house. We all got encouraged and built, and you couldn't go over there and see him without getting closer to Jesus. Now, how does that happen? He may be paralyzed physically, but he wasn't paralyzed in his soul. So I love those things. The power of the Lord is present for him to perform healing. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of him. Have you ever gone to a church service and it was completely full, you couldn't get in the doors? When I first came to Denton Bible, um, I was over church life, and we had to be the ushers and greeters and assimilation and new members and a lot of different things. But on Christmas Eve... We would prepare, and Tommy would have a Christmas Eve service. You guys that were in the orchestra, the choir, always did such a great job. And we had many, many people from around towns come, and the, the, the auditorium filled up. It filled up completely. And it always broke my heart. We would have, we would have overflow in the chapel and overflow in the, the fellowship hall, but there were still some that got there late, and there wasn't any place for them to sit. Well, that's what these guys are going through. They'd heard Jesus was teaching, and they carry. I've always thought about preaching this message and having four of you men carry another man on a cot with ropes and walk around the church a few times and then carry him in here. That wouldn't be easy, would it? It'd be hard to do that. I bet in some of your paramedic training, you've had to carry someone, haven't you, in, in that training? And he's a big old stout guy, but it still takes a lot of effort. So they carry this man most likely on a, some kind of stretcher or cot with ropes at the four corners they're holding him up most likely and they knock on the door try to get into where Jesus is preaching and somebody tells them sorry too crowded you can't get in Now these four men had a desire in their heart they wanted their friend to get close to Jesus You know what? I don't think there's anything greater you and I should have in our lives either but the desire that other people are saved. I would tell my older brother and my older sister, but long before uh, my brother came to know Christ, I would say, please come to church. Just come and see. Just come and see. Come one time. My younger brother would say, just come one time because we want them to hear the message of Jesus and see. I don't think there's any greater thing we can do for one another is pray for one another that that we may be healed in every way possible that we might be saved and forgiven of our sins. There's an amazing verse in 1 John. The Bible teaches us, if we see a brother sin a sin that is not unto death, pray for him and God will give him life. Now that's an amazing thing. We have to always surrender unto God's will because he knows what's going on in your life and in my life and everyone else's too. But he says, if you see somebody sin, pray for them. And God can hear our prayers. If you're a mom here tonight, you ever prayed for your children? God hears those prayers. There's no doubt. I have uh, a lot of times try to minister to people who have someone incarcerated in their family. And they say, well, I just don't know what to do. It just breaks my heart. And I always tell them, do you know how powerful your prayers are? Wherever your son or your daughter or whoever your family member is in jail or in prison right now, your prayer can reach them wherever they are in the military can a mama's or daddy's or grandparents prayer can a church's prayer meet somebody in a foxhole in another country he can that can so these men loved their friends and they were willing to take him to church but there's no room oftentimes we get disappointed in our life would you agree Has there anybody here never been disappointed? I want to meet and shake your hand here tonight. You've never had a disappointment? I want to encourage you, and you already know this, but a lot of times our disappointments are God's appointments. When we are disappointed, something is delayed or it doesn't go like we wanted it to, God's in all those details. He's working. I can tell you many times in my life when I prayed for something, I wanted it to happen this way. It didn't, and I thought, why not? And then just a little while, God did something else. It was much better. It was much better. He knew all along. So this circumstance, they come and they want to get their their friend close to Jesus. And I want to be that kind of person too. (coughs) I want you to notice some verbs though. The actions of the friends. They were carrying. They were trying. They were bringing. And they were setting Write those words down if you can. They were carrying, they were trying, they were bringing, and they were setting. Look at verse 19. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went home and sulked and had a pity party and said, sorry, no. They were willing to do something drastic. I think the church has lost some of that. Would you agree? We've lost some of that. Uh, the anticipation of God working mightily in our lives. And we come to church and we, we sing a certain number of songs. We stand up, we sit down, we say a prayer, we listen to God's word, we go home. Uh, we, need to, we need to pray with anticipation. Psalm chapter five, give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. Oh, Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee. And we'll look up. When we pray, we ought to look up. We ought to expect the Lord to answer that. That's why I love praying with children. The children, when they pray, they'll hold you to it. Here, they could have gone home. They could have given up. They could have said, circumstances just not right. Maybe we'll come back next week. But they were willing to do something desperate to get this guy close to Jesus. Not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with his stretcher. We've talked about before, Israeli, the way their houses are built a lot of time, they will go out in the cool of the evening. There's actually a room on top of their their, uh, rooms and their homes a lot. They were... Not made like a lot of ours. Sometimes they had thatched roofs. They had different types of tiles and covering. It was easy for them to break a hole in the roof. And I can just see that. These guys are not giving up. The, even the, the, the paralyzed man could have said, well, thank you guys for trying, but it's too crowded. We can't get in. I can just see those guys. No, we're not going to give up. They carry him to the top of the roof. How hard would that be? They start digging a hole in the roof and all of a sudden, Jesus is in there teaching, most likely sitting down because that's the way uh, he taught a lot of the time, and maybe a little bit of ceiling tile fell down, human head. It'd be just like here tonight. All of a sudden, you start seeing things. Uh, one time in the main auditorium on Sunday morning, I think it'd been raining quite a bit, but we were we were uh, listening to Tommy preach and. All of a sudden, I just happened to look up in the rafters. And they're black over there like this is, colored black. And I saw somebody up there. I think it was Preston. I'm not sure if it was him or not. But he was up there fixing something in the roof. And I couldn't listen to Tommy because I'm thinking, is this guy going to fall down in just a minute right on top of him? Well, that's exactly what's happening here. The ceiling's being torn apart. They're going to let this friend of theirs down on that stretcher Right in front of Jesus. I like that. I used to have a ministry in the church I was at before. We call it one born of four. One born of four. Carried by four. So they go up there. They were willing to do whatever it took. Not finding any way to bring him in because the crowd, they went up on the roof, let him down through the tiles with a stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Perseverance. Desperation. Willing to do something out of the norm to help somebody. It's not always easy. It's not always automatic. Are your prayers automatic? Whatever you prayed, does God answer, uh, answer them immediately no matter what? No. Sometimes he says, wait. Some of the best prayers I've ever prayed in my life as far as the outcome is where God said, not right now. Not right now. Remember those words I told you? They start out caring, trying bringing, setting, not finding. They went up and they let him down. They went up and they let him down. And then I believe one of the most important verses in this whole passage, verse 20 says, seeing their faith. Jesus loves when we believe him, trust him, and we live that way seeing their faith is Jesus going to heal this man because he had enough faith I had a friend one time and he said this person would just bother me because I was hurt, my shoulder was hurt he said if you had enough faith you just ask God to heal you and he'd heal you he has to, he has to and this friend of mine was named Eric and he said well you know I have faith and I, I've asked the Lord if it be his will to do that and, oh it is his will, he has to do that and Eric said, well, do you have faith that I could be healed? Absolutely I do. Well, you pray and ask God to heal. And the man did. And, and Eric said, my shoulder's still the way it is. You must not have enough faith. That's what you get into when people that are misguided and immature in the faith try to move God by telling him what to do. We don't do that, brothers and sisters. I know you know that. There's so many people caught up in that. I know people that have lost their life because they followed that kind of false teaching. If Jesus would have said it in his word, that's what he always wanted to do. I would say amen. That's not what he said. He said different than that. The apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And it was something evidently that those churches where he went to go preach could see. Because he writes back and said, you had you had uh, care for me and my affliction and you saw what I went through and and those churches were were gracious toward him. I don't know what it was. And he said, I asked God three times for him to take that away. Did Paul have enough faith? You better believe he did. And Jesus says to him, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. And Paul later on says, that was thorn in the flesh was good for me because it kept me humble, kept me trusting in God. Later on, Paul writes and he says, Trophimus, I left him at the church sick. Why? Why didn't he just heal him? Because that's not what God said the most important thing is. We miss sight of that. And I know that that, uh, I know that, that troubles many, many people because they've been taught wrong. Timothy, take a little of this for your infirmities because you're often sick, Timothy, How come? Did Timothy not have enough faith? Did Paul not have enough faith? Did Peter not have enough faith? No, they did. It's not some magic formula that we tell God what to do. He said seeing their faith. It had nothing to do with this man. But Jesus saw some friends that cared so much about their friend that they were going to tear the roof off. Now, I've always heard, when I've asked people to come to church, I'd come to church, but the roof would fall in. Have you ever heard that before? My dad used to say it all the time. The roof would fall in. I said, that's why we have carpenters in the church. We can build a roof back." But in this case, they really tore the roof apart. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Well, wait a minute. If the purpose that he came was only to do miracles, works, signs, or wonders... He would have never had to say what he did right there. He could just say, be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. And if he gave us that power to do that, I could go down to medical city right now or Presbyterian, go to the third floor and say, be healed, be healed, be healed, be healed. Good, everybody go home. It's not a lack of faith. It's a lack of understanding of the will of God. Now, does he still answer prayer? Amen. Can he still heal in every way possible? Amen. And I pray with people to their their dying breath lying in those beds. Lord, heal them every way that you choose to. Heal them every way possible. I went to visit a man who the doctor said, you've got cancer and you've got cancer in several different organs. It has invaded your whole body. And you probably have. He gave him a very short number of days to live. Actually, his wife was in the, the ladies program at that time. And they hurried up the uh, graduation for the ladies' program and did it at their home so her husband could watch her graduate from the, the ladies' program here at Denton Bible. I thought that was wonderful. I went over to visit him. Other guys went over to visit him. He loved to sing, so we would sing sometimes. I would go over there sometimes and sit down, and I'd been tired. i have been visiting a lot of people and doing a lot of things, and I remember at the foot of his bed one time, and I yawned a little bit. He said, am I boring you? You know, and he was so much fun, so much fun. They gave him a few days to live. And three years later, without a pain, without a pain in three years, his wife called me one night. Mike, could you come over? And I went in, and this man was a Jew that had come to know Christ. Christ. And he was ready to go see his savior, Yeshua. And I felt and felt no pulse. And I turned around to his wife and I said, he's home. He's home. So God can do anything. The days of our lives are in his hands. That's an appointment you and i keep, but God sets the appointment. So here, when he saw their faith, he said, friends, your, your sins are forgiven you. A whole lot more than you need to be raised off your bed. A whole lot more than you need to be physically healed. You need to be spiritually healed because you can be physically healed over and over and over again and still go to hell. That's the reality of it. But you can be spiritually healed and have a home in heaven waiting for you no matter what happens here. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not minimizing the power of our Lord. Jesus can do anything. But this is what he came for. Friend, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? I'd have to agree with their thing. Only God can forgive sins. The truth about it was he was God. Now, if anybody else had said that, it would have been blasphemy, but not him, because he was God. And he said, Your sins are forgiven. But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier? Now, this is one of the keys that helps me understand miracles, signs, wonders, and works. So it helps me greatly. Which is easier to say your sins have been forgiven you or to say, get up and walk? Which would be easier to do that? We could say, well, a person could say your sins are forgiven, but we really don't know what happens there because that's between them and God. So there's no Physical manifestation of that. But if you say, get up off that pallet, or you're a, a man that's been born blind and you've never been able to see, and you, now he's able to see, we, we could say, now we could understand that one, which is easier to say. But he says, look at verse 24. Look at it closely, please. It says, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. The whole purpose he's saying here in this wonder, in this miracle that he's doing, is so you know that you can be forgiven of your sins. Jesus is here and can do that for you. You got to listen to him. So that you may know the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sin, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher, and go home. I wish I'd have been there. I wish I would have seen it. In heaven someday, isn't it going to be great to sit down and say, "Tell, tell us about that day when those guys tore the roof off and let you down in front of Jesus. Tell us what you were thinking that day. I believe heaven's going to be full of great testimonies of what Christ has done. When we think about it, we're all just like that paralytic man, though. We're in need of a mighty work from Jesus. It may not be paralyzed physically. It could be mentally or emotionally. Right now, we have a pandemic that is not over. Did you know that? You may not be wearing masks and doing some of the same things you were a couple years ago, but we have a pandemic in our country and it is anxiety and depression that has hit every family. I don't know a family that doesn't have people in it. It's all ages. People all the way across our world are suffering right now with more anxiety, stress, panic attacks, and depression. We need a mighty work from Jesus. We're in a world that is broken, we're dead in sin, we're unable to help ourselves. One of the problems that humans get into is we think we can fix things. And I have to be honest, men, I think we're a little worse at that than the women are. Women will reach out and ask for help from other women before we do. But we've been taught, be a man. You just pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and you handle it. Well, I'm going to tell you something. God can get you in a position where you know you can't handle it. And he's so gracious and merciful that when we call out to him, he can hear us. We we get to come to faith in Christ. We're able to do the same things Jesus told the crippled man. Do you catch what I said a while ago? Get up, pick up, and go. Now, what was a get up? I want you to get up because you're not the same anymore. You and I, when we come to know Christ, we can get up out of our beds, we can get up in our life the next day, and we are not the same. I love it when somebody truly comes to know Christ, and they go back to their friends, to their family, and I've had wives call me on the phone. I don't know what happened to my husband, but he's not the same as he used to be. He got up. The picture of baptism is we we were dead in our sins, We were buried with Christ and we're raised to walk in newness of life. We're not the same anymore. And Jesus told that man, Get up. The problems that you've had before are no longer there. I've given you a power that is greater than you knew before. Get up. Then the second part of it, it says, Pick up your stretcher. Why didn't you just say, Leave it there? I think that that's important for us to look at because he wanted that man who formerly couldn't even get off the stretcher, now, because of the work Christ had done in his life, he wants him to reach down and pick up that stretcher. Can you imagine walking back into your hometown that you were paralyzed and somebody had to carry you wherever you're going and all of a sudden you walk back in there, you're carrying the thing that you had to depend on before. What a testimony that is. You're carrying the very pallet that you've been placed on and you couldn't get yourself off of because it doesn't have power over you anymore. There's a great picture that I've shown you before, but it is a man who had a son that died early, but his boy was a crippled and he was in a wheelchair. And on a bronze statue on top of this boy's headstone, you could Google it and look it up, it is a, little, a young boy about 10 years old standing on his, on his toes on top of a wheelchair reaching up to heaven because he doesn't need it anymore. Get up. Pick up. You don't need it anymore. And that's what we ought to be teaching people, preaching about. They sang a song a moment ago about heaven. And, boy, there were some good words in that song to see the beauty of what Christ is preparing for us. So he told him, I want you to get up. I want you to pick up. Every one of you that has come to know Christ, you have something to tell. You have got stones of remembrance. You've got a testimony. This morning, I heard some people give a testimony, a dad and a daughter and a mother, give a testimony of what they've been through the last two years and it was moving. It was powerful because they had gotten up and they picked up. They could carry that now and tell others about what had done and... He said, go. Told him to go home. There's some people at home where you're from that need to hear what Jesus has done for you. So I just challenge it here tonight. I think I need to do the same thing. I need to make sure I'm prayed up. I need to get up. I need to pick up and carry that testimony with me. And I need to go wherever he asked me to go. Look at the actions of the friends. They were carrying, trying, bringing, setting not finding, they went up, they let down, they had faith, and then Jesus said, get up, pick up, and go. You can see this story in all the action verbs of what these people did. And it says immediately, he got up before them. Wow. Why not? Jesus is the power of the creator over the creation, and he can cause the creation to do anything. And he picked up what he had been lying on. Jesus wants us to do that too. Pick up what we've been lying on sometimes. And carry it so others can see we're not the same. And he went home glorifying God. And it says they were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. And they were filled with fear saying, we have seen remarkable things today. I just want to close asking you a few questions, if I may. Is there anyone in your life, your family, where you work, some people that you see, that you're not sure that they're, they're a believer, that you're not sure they're Christians? Do you think there's anything you could do this week that might encourage them to come to church with you, to, to let you sit down with them with your Bible, to give your testimony to them? Is there anybody, these guys love that man so much, we'll tear the roof off for them to come to know Jesus. Andrew in the Gospels went out and found his, found his brother Peter and said, Peter, come, is not this the Christ, the one we've been waiting on? Come and see. Is there anybody in your life? They may not be paralyzed, but they're, they're dead in sin. But you could make a difference, would you consider doing that this week? Well, you, just, you may say, Mike, you don't know who it is, and it'd be very, very hard. I understand. It was hard for Jesus to go to the cross. And so when I think about the hard things I have to face, I just picture him there on that cross. And it gives me a little bit more strength to do those things. Would you love your brother and sister enough? Would you pray for them? Would you reach out to them? Would you keep sharing the gospel with them? I have in my office a picture that I, I think is very important to me. Uh, boys Town used to have a motto, and it was where a lot of orphan uh, boys went to, and they tried to raise them, I think, faithfully. They even wrote a song about it back in the 1960s, or early 70s. He ain't heavy, he's my brother. Have you got that picture maybe to put up there? Maybe it's there, maybe it's not. Anybody remember that song, He ain't heavy. He's my brother. Because it's different. It's different. Look at that. I have that in my office up on the wall because I remember. I've got an older brother and a younger brother, and I don't know how many times I might have carried him. He's just not heavy because he's my brother. It doesn't make any difference because he's my brother. Whatever it costs me, he's my brother. Whatever it takes, he's my brother. And I think that's what the church ought to be doing. Whatever it takes. If we have to do something drastic sometimes, that's fine. God can deal with drastic. I can't wait to hear these men tell about the day they took this man, tore the roof off, and let him down. I want to read you just a few words of that song that was written about this picture. The road is long with many a winding turn. that leads us to know to who knows where, who knows when. But I'm strong, strong enough to carry on. He ain't heavy, he's my brother. So on we go. His welfare is of my concern. No burden is he to bear. We'll get there. For I know he would not encumber me. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. I pray that I would be sensitive to those around me this week. Is there anybody I could pick up? There was a lady named Wanda when I was a little boy. And she had adopted two children. They were just younger than I was. We ended up going through school together. I think one of them was my age. But Wanda was just a simple housewife and lady. But when it came time that one of the churches in our town had a revival, Wanda would go around town, and she'd ask the parents, could I take them to our church revival? And I was one of them. And I'll never forget this lady who... I'd never been in her home before. I didn't, you know, I went to school with her, her daughter, but I, I didn't know her very well, but she cared enough to make a difference going all over our town and picking children up, 10, 11, 12 years old, and taking them. And I'll never forget at that revival, one of the preachers called on me. Don't you just hate that when the preacher starts looking at you and you think, is he going to call on me? And you start looking away, hopefully he won't call on me. I had one man say, I'm not coming to church anymore. And I said, why? Because I'm afraid you're going to call on me to pray. I said, brother, I won't call on you if that bothers you too much. But please don't stop coming to church for that. But Miss Wanda picked us all up and took us to church. And I remember that preacher found me, and he asked me if I was a Christian. And I said yes, and he asked me one of the first times to give part of my testimony. It wasn't my home church. I didn't even know who the preacher was, and it caught me completely off guard. But I want to tell you something. I've been sharing that testimony ever since then. Because it's the best thing I've got to tell. By God's grace, he let me get up and pick up and go. And he has you too. So as we continue to look for a few more weeks, uh, Lord willing, about the miracles of Jesus, uh, know he's ready to do mighty things. They said, We took notice that we've seen some remarkable things here today. That same God is available in our lives here today to do remarkable things in his church. Pray for the people in Turkey. Pray for the people in those revivals that it would go everywhere. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this passage in your word. I thank you for Jesus Another example, Lord, that you love people's souls. You want our sins forgiven. You want us born again. You want us changed. And Lord, you're not out of ways of doing that. You display your mighty power and works and signs and wonders, and and we honor you and thank you for that. But the greatest work that we know you came for, Jesus, was for us to be saved. So if there's anybody here tonight that, would walk out of these doors and they're not sure they're saved, would you give them, just like that friend of mine that became my pastor and I love him today, that went to disrupt that that revival meeting, you got a hold of him. And he came to meet the one that Billy Graham was preaching about. Maybe someone here tonight is in that same circumstance. Before they leave, Lord, would you just let them have the desire in their heart to come and talk with one of us, people all over the room, that would be glad to pray with them so you could say spiritually to their lives, get up, pick up, and go where I tell you to go. Thank you, Jesus, for this passage and what you did. In your name we pray. Amen.